everybody, it's me, Chris Denson. Welcome to another installment of Innovation Crypto. Don't worry, I don't talk that weird all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you for the disclaimer, that's important, I like that. Most people are like, what, what did I sign up for? Um, no, this show is called Innovation Crush. In case you're listening for the first time, we cover all things innovation, ideas, creativity. A little bit of a business skew, but at least we like to have fun while we're talking about these things. So today, uh, I have a great guest, Elon Lee. Hello. Hello. Uh, so jovial. You've already laughed. <laughs> I'm following your lead here. You went from like, all right, so we're going to talk about some things. So I said, oh, this is innovation. So, okay. I have to wake I'm, myself I'm, up, you know? Yeah, like, all right. I'm in. I'm, I'm, in. A, I'm, a I'm, pro- I'm an entertainment professional when I, I do this show. I am show. following your jovial lead. Otherwise, it just you know, I could, we could do one of these. Can um, <laughs> we dim so, the lights in here? Yeah. So tell me about, um, so before I get to, before this gets any weirder, uh, we should probably, probably let people know who you are. Ah. Uh, so if you don't mind introducing yourself, the 90 sure. second version. The 90 second version. All right. Uh, let's see. My name is Alan Lee. I was last year the uh, chief creative officer for Xbox Entertainment. Uh, before that, I did a whole bunch of startups around alternate reality games and video games and storytelling and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, some big projects a lot of people have heard of and played. Um, and most recently, uh, the thing that I sort of hang my hat on is uh, I started with some friends the most successful uh, game in crowdfunding history called Exploding Kittens, and uh, we are now running that full time. So you guys just shoot cats, right? We shoot cats, yeah, professionally. That's yeah, cool for fun and profit. Um, no, explain, explain, because I've been telling people about this like for weeks, yeah, and I'm like, no, you gotta, you gotta check it out. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no <laughs> animals are harmed in the making of this game. Um, it's all cartoon. Um, the game is uh, a very simple, fun, casual party game. You play with your friends. You play with your family. Um, it, the game is essentially Russian roulette. It's it's a deck of cards that that physicalizes uh, Russian roulette without all the horrible side effects. And um, we originally it was called Bomb Squad, and the whole goal was you know draw cards but don't draw the bomb because then you'd explode. And my buddy Matt, who draws the oatmeal, uh, theoatmeal.com, if yeah, you don't yeah. know that, uh, totally. he he said, hey, you know what would be even funnier is if the thing you were most scared of in this game, instead of a bomb, a terrible menacing bomb, if it was a cute, adorable, cuddly little kitten. And so he <laughs> renamed the game to Exploding Kittens. And the project was born, <laughs> and then it took off. Exploded. <laughs> uh, that's interesting because I mean, you think about like something that sounds rather niche, right? Yeah. Like the sure. the even the like the mechanics of the game, as you just explained, sure. are like super niche. Is I mean, even Cards Against Humanity, right? It's yeah. like it's a little bit more of a broad. There's yeah, no for real. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you get a successful crowdfunding pitch for a concept like that? So. Um, First and foremost, I mean, the easy answer to how this all went down was uh, Matt and the oatmeal, right? He's got a massive following, one of the funniest guys I know. His website is incredible, and millions of people go there every day to go and check out what he's up to. So uh, when I showed him this game, he was like, oh, this is the coolest game ever. You should let me illustrate the cards. And um, as a side note, if Matthew Inman of The Oatmeal ever asks you if he can illustrate the cards for your game, the correct answer is yes. (laughs) Hell yes, Uh you can. Please do that now. Um, So at first, the way that uh, we were really successful was just... um, built off the prestige of the oatmeal and a bunch of people came in the front door and they looked at our video and they saw how to play the game and they saw the cards were really funny and they backed it and that was really easy but after the first week we saw our backer numbers just start to plummet 
because we had tapped out everyone that the oatmeal has access to that right. was going to back our game. What was your goal at, the, at like uh, ten thousand dollars? Okay, and you also raised just so the audience. Knows. Uh, we raised about nine million bucks. Good job. Yeah, yeah thanks. thanks. So why, and why are you just wearing a t-shirt? Then? Yeah, <laughs> just a plain white Hanes t-shirt. I thought you came in here with like a Versace hat. I, I, I go home, I roll in money. That's what I do. Yeah. Wee! Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, once once things actually started to go poorly, we had to turn things around. And this is where I really tapped into my marketing background and my game design background. And I said, all right, screw it. We are not raising money anymore. We're not talking about money. We've already hit our goal. We are never mentioning cash again in the, in, in the duration of this campaign. Instead, we're going to switch to throwing a giant freaking party. And everybody's invited. And instead of ever asking anybody for money, we don't want you to back us. What we want you to do is have a good time with us. We want you to take ridiculous pictures and post them for us. We want you to uh, write us theme songs and film us videos. And we're going to participate with that as well. So every time you do something awesome, we're going to shine a spotlight on you and make you the absolute celebrity of your group of friends. And we turned the whole thing around. We rewrote the way that uh, our Kickstarter page worked so yep. that there was no money involved anymore. We made little achievements, badges that you could earn by uh, accomplishing bizarre and strange and hilarious tasks out in the real world. And such, then, as, give, uh, give such as take a picture of uh, you and 20 friends wearing cat ears. There was an easy one. Uh, harder would be, uh, how about a picture of you and 10 Batmen in one hot tub? <laughs> uh, which somebody did, which somebody I, I did, turned like, in the picture. Somebody has to, yep, done yep, that. Someone pulled that off. Uh, turn your cat into a picture of a beard cat. Wear your cat as a beard. Yeah, a ton of people did that one as well. They're all up, and so we started posting these things all over Facebook, giving out prizes, uh, rewarding people for having a good time with us. And again, screw money. We're not. You know, you look at the term crowdfunding, right. like, let's ignore the funding part and focus on the crowd part. Right. And for the rest of the crowd campaign. Crowdfunding. <laughs> crowdfunding. Take out the D. Oh, that's even better. See what I did? Totally stealing that. All right. Um, for the next one, Explore the Kittens 2, <laughs> crowdfunding. Um, so from then on in, for the next three weeks, that is all we did. We just threw the largest Kickstarter party in history and everyone was invited. And uh, what rolled out the end of that was the most most successful game in Kickstarter history and the most backed project in any category in crowdfunding history. But, but the interesting thing, I mean, at the end of the day, you were marketing, right? Like, it's, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a marketing project. It has nothing to do with the game, right? At right. that point, keep in mind, no one's played the game. No one has any idea what the game is. They just know, hey, this is fun. And I like sharing this with my friends. And I like looking at what other people are doing. And I want to take part. And the way I take part is I just visit this Kickstarter page and I start participating. And that's all there was to it. Right. I was that low a barrier to entry, but absolutely, it's a marketing campaign. Hopefully, you'll also like the game once you get it, uh, which it turns out people do. We're uh, one of the number one games on Amazon right now, now that people are actually buying it and playing it and posting their feedback. Congratulations. So it's pretty rad. Mo money, mo yeah. money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's interesting because uh, you said you took your marketing background and, and applied it here, which... Your marketing background isn't traditional marketing background. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. So, right, right. so I mean, it's a great, it's a, it's a great thing to learn from. So, I, I mean, if you can kind of go into the, because it sounds like challenges, alternate reality games, go do this in the real world, sure. get online, res, you know, rewards yeah, yeah. and points. Part real, part fun, part like let's just do something weird and see what people will actually do. Yeah, um, um, my my theory of marketing is my same theory of game design. Like I was trained as a video game designer, so when I started building marketing campaigns, I just plugged in the same formula, um, which is basically um, if you can figure out the behavior you want to elicit in people, 
the way to motivate them to demonstrate that behavior is tell a really good story. Everything is story-based. Everything I do is story-based. I'm going to tell a narrative. Even the Exploding Kittens example, that was a story. It just happened to be about you. You were the, the lead character in that right. story. So my history in marketing, a great example is um, I did this project called I Love Bees, which was uh, I had just finished up at Microsoft. I was a lead game designer for the original Xbox. And when I left, uh, Microsoft called me up immediately, and they're like, hey, we're about to release Halo 2. Um, and I worked on Halo 1, and they're like, right. hey, we want you to come back. Help us out market uh, Halo 2 because we want it to be huge. And I was like, it's going to be huge. It's going to be the biggest damn launch in history. You don't need my help. This is easy. And they said, no, no, no. What we want is for it to be a cultural phenomenon. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. All right, cultural phenomenon right. about aliens invading the Earth, which is the story of Halo. Um, you know what? That's already been done. That was um, Orson Welles, War of the Worlds, right? He did those radio broadcasts where he convinced the entire nation that aliens were actually invading, and every time anyone would tune in, they would hear these incredible stories about the I didn't aliens invading. was a, a thing. It's a real amazing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to mess up the dates, so I'm going to just make up a yeah. date. 1945 <laughs> is when it happened. Here you go, see? But I, I would read those stories, and I listened to the original broadcast, and I was like, dude, there's no there's no point to reinvent the wheel here. Let's just steal from the best. So we wrote, recorded, directed, and produced our own six-hour radio drama told in the world of Halo about aliens invading the Earth. But we wanted a little bit of twist. So instead of broadcasting it over the radio, we broadcast it over payphones. Literally tens of thousands of ringing payphones all over the freaking world. You're walking down the street, you hear a payphone ring, you go over, you pick it up, you hear this frazzled voice on the other end saying, oh my God, thank God you answered. Whatever you do, don't hang up. Listen, they're on their way to get me. I need you to destroy the documents immediately. And they start sucking you into this story that you are now a part of. And collectively, groups of millions of people went around answering these payphones, piecing the story back together bit by bit uh, in order to find out what the hell happens next. And ultimately, it was a marketing piece trying to get people into the world of Halo. But I don't care about that bit. That's the funding part. I care about the crowd part, right? right. And the crowd part is I'm going to tell a really good story, and I'm going to make you the star of that story. And by participating, yeah, you're engaging in marketing. But more importantly, you're having a really good time, and the world is not behaving the way you previously thought the world was able to behave. In a situation like that, right, you're placing big bets. And even in the exploding kitten example, like sure. you're, you're betting that people are going to part. There's always that, like, at me as a marketer, that's always my gray area. So do, do you design safety nets, which I, I like to do? I'm like, okay, well, if, if, the, if the phone thing doesn't work, yeah. then at least we've got this thing that works. Yeah. Or is it just like, you know, Elon yeah, knows what he's talking yeah, right. about. Let's just turn these phones on. <laughs> um, I've always got a few backup plans. I never want to use them. I'm, I'm going to tell you my favorite story about a backup plan. Um, I was working on this project for uh, Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Trent Reznor, he called me up. He wanted me to do this big uh, marketing promotion for his game Year Zero. And uh, it was awesome. We embedded little bits of story in the music, in the videos, in the lyrics of the songs, in the concert t-shirts, like you name it. There are little bits of story everywhere, and you would collect them and piece them back together. Our big finale was um, we invited a bunch of people to uh, to <laughs> we invited a bunch of people to a, a random street corner at midnight and they had no idea what to expect and they show up and a bus pulls up with all the windows blacked out and we load all these people on the bus and we close the doors and we drive them around the block a few times until they get completely disoriented they have no idea where they are we <laughs> take vomiting them on each other I know seriously right <laughs> we we um, we take them to an abandoned warehouse we march them inside there's guys there with automatic weapons uh, they go inside a curtain drops and there's Nine Inch Nails. There's Trent Reznor, 
two feet in front of them playing a private concert for those guys. Okay, so uh, that's a really fun ending for a few people, but like, how, then what? Like, how do you end that? Right. So what we did is a few minutes, or excuse me, about 30 minutes into the concert, one of the walls explodes and in rushes a SWAT team firing automatic weapons and throwing concussion grenades. And everyone freaks out because holy crap, there's SWAT team running towards us firing automatic <laughs> weapons. And uh, they run towards the only entrance, the only exit, which is where the bus is waiting and they get off. All right. That all went perfectly, except for these three huge dudes that just stood there. Members of the audience, they're just standing there with their arms crossed, staring down these members of the SWAT team who are literally like throwing grenades. And these guys are just standing there going like, what? What are you guys going to do? This is all fake. You can't do anything. Right. So what happens is uh, one of the SWAT members grabs one of those guys, <laughs> throws him up against the wall, punches him across the face, no. blood splatters on the wall. The guy falls down. Two other SWAT team guys run over and they start kicking the crap out of this guy. The other two huge, big, burly dudes turn white <laughs> and they run towards the exit. They get on the bus. I know what I, I, I can you guess? It, yes. Can you guess my backup, backup plan? plan? Let's hear it. That guy was planted. He was a plant. He was a stunt man. <laughs> I put him there on the bus from the very beginning because I knew people <laughs> suck and they never do what you want them to do. So uh, I always have a backup plan. I always throw it in there. I hope I don't have to use it. Sometimes when I do use it, it leads to a really cool That's story. A great black, so, backup yeah. plan. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Although backup plan black sounds really <laughs> cool too. You just next time you have black dude there. Backup plan. I got crowdfunding. <laughs> I'm gonna make a list here today. This is awesome. Um, that all those sound amazing. I have a couple of trains of thought, but first, um, you think about video games and Trent Reznor, who's like an amazing just yeah, right. mind. Um, uh, and you know, exploding kittens, they're all sort of game oriented brands that you're, or not, I'm sorry, entertainment oriented, entertainment, brands. yeah, for sure. So, um, do you think or have you seen examples of this working in a little bit more like stayed brands? Like, could have. Hilton be like, hey, we're going to do, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you get that phone call? So it, it, it works as long as the brand is willing to have a little bit of fun. Um, we've, we've done, um, I, I actually did one to help Microsoft launch Microsoft, uh, Windows Vista, right? Like there's a brand with no characters, right. almost no personality at all, right? Like it's a stayed brand. It's a big, uh, 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 it's a big monolithic company, right? Um but we, we, because that company was willing to work with us and was willing to smile at themselves a little bit, um, we got to insert characters. And we actually launched the largest scavenger hunt on planet Earth, uh, literally leading people around the world chasing down a character. And the winner, the one who got to the end of the scavenger hunt first, we flew them into space. And uh, <laughs> it was awesome. It was yeah. so rad. Um, but it was because a big brand said, hey, you know, we don't have personality yet. Like, we have brand image and all that that we, right. you know, spend millions of dollars establishing and all that fun stuff. But uh, we don't have a way to play with our audience and play and story and character and narrative and all those things are really important. And if you can help us create those, uh, we'll, we'll be willing to go along with it. And they did. And it was tremendously successful and, and really, really fun. So for you to conceptualize and pitch a a, prod, a project like that, right? It's, yeah. It takes a lot of mental resource and, Huge. you know, mapping, like all the different things that have to happen. How much do you put into the upfront part of it? Like when you go into Microsoft and say, all right, we got three options. Yeah. Uh, this one is, yeah, do you right. have to, how, how deeply do you go into that world for the sake of just explaining the basics of what uh, it is? I go, I go way deep. I, I mean... I'm. I can't help myself but tell stories. I love. I love narratives. And so, uh, when I'm pitching.
launching a new product, either one for myself, uh, trying to get my friends excited about it, or a, a big corporate sponsor, um, I always present three. Um, I always want the middle one. <laughs> so the the cheap, crappy one is What's all... the psychology behind that? Is that like a three-card Molly kind know. of trick? People always pick the middle one for some reason, so I always put the best one in the middle. Were you the middle of three children? No, I'm the oldest. Oh, so okay. I'm... Oh, wow. What does that say about myself as a person? <laughs> um... I uh, I always pitched, you know, small, medium, large, right? So the small one nobody wants because it's there as a backup plan. It's the safe thing to do. No one's really going to notice it. But here I pitched a, a safe thing that you can go to your boss and say, well, we didn't do the easy, stupid one at least, right? Like that's an important thing to say. Um, it's also important for these guys to go to their bosses and say, we also didn't do the insane multi-billion dollar one that never would have possibly worked, right? right? And these are, these are things like, oh, we're going to put a hallucinogenic in the city's water supply in order to make people see our brand image every time they look at, you know, insane, <laughs> stupid stuff that would right. never, never, never work and probably get us all arrested. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then you put the the really, the, the nice one, the awesome one right in the middle and they can say, well, we didn't, we eliminated the stupid one, we eliminated the outrageous one and we landed right in the middle at this thing that's really cool and really creative and it was my choice to, to go with that one and that's, there's sort of a fun psychological effect there that uh, tends to work for people. Well, you are like, you are just like, the you're an experienced designer, which sure. you know, even, which I think is a little one step beyond storyteller, right? I think the story, the the experience stems from the story, and I think most people, and not to take anything away from you, but can write a story out and say, "Hey, this would be cool." Yeah. But to design an experience by which people will engage in yeah. is, a, is a whole different thing. There's two parts, and I actually like the way you phrase that. So. To me, any project I've ever worked on has always had two parts, right? It's the story and then the delivery mechanism. And uh, they both have to be great. Because if either one of those is lacking, the other, it doesn't matter how cool the other one is, it's not going to work. And so maybe what you mean when you say experience designer is maybe you mean the design of both of those things in concert because they must work together. Otherwise, the entire project is doomed to failure. How did you land here? This is not like a traditional yeah. <laughs> where people end I, up I in their careers. I majored this in college. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am a terrible student. Uh, I nearly failed out of high school and then proceeded to fail out of six colleges. Where'd you uh, grow up? I uh, grew up in Los Angeles, but then traveled around a lot as okay. I went from failing college to failing college to failing college. Um, eventually uh, managed to graduate from the Rochester Institute of Technology in upstate New York, which is a wonderful place, but also has the added bonus feature of being freezing cold all the time, which means your options are study or die. Right. And uh, so I actually sat still and studied for a bit there and learned some cool things and managed to graduate. Um, but I, uh, I studied computer science uh, I had minors in computer graphics, computer animation, multimedia production, and psychology. Uh, mostly those are other things I had majored in in other colleges. But, right. you know, just I, this weird collection of classes that was just ridiculous. Um, so then uh, I got a job at Industrial Light and Magic doing special effects for movies. Uh, that was really, really fun until one day Microsoft called me up and they literally said, uh, we read about you in a magazine because I'd worked on some big high profile movies. So we read about you in this magazine and, uh, we've got this new project. 
project coming up that we don't know what to call yet, but it's going to be something like the Direct Xbox. And uh, how would you, instead of signing for, up for the rest of your life to work on this one thing, computer graphics, why don't you try at least one other thing first? Like, I don't know, video games. And uh, that was a really compelling argument. <laughs> so I packed up my stuff, moved up to Seattle, and uh, started a career at Microsoft designing video games, having literally no idea how to design video games. Uh, and it launched from there. All downhill from there. All downhill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Increasing acceleration. Why, all the time. why? Why were like? Why? Uh, this is I don't know. Maybe this will dive into like educational philosophy. But um, why were you a bad student? You know what I mean? Like, what was it about school that didn't like speak to you? Because obviously yeah. you're brilliant, right? And, uh, and, uh, I'll, I'll, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story instead. This is one of my. This is like, great. This is this is. Um, I was saved by uh, a high school teacher. Um, I was failing everything in high school. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't pay attention in class. I didn't do homework. I sucked at tests. Um, I was just like failing everything. And I had this one teacher. Uh, his name uh, is uh, Fred Carrington. Everyone called him Durf, Fred backwards. And he pulled me aside one day and he said, he was my physics teacher. And he said, listen, I know you're not an idiot. You're failing, but I know you're not an <laughs> idiot. Um, so I'm gonna make you a deal. Here is next year's textbook, physics textbook, and it's uh, uh, an edition one. And edition ones always suck, right? Because there's it's loaded with errors, and then they have to do revision two and revision three and revision four, and eventually the one they settle on is like revision fifteen. But we are forced to use a new textbook, revision one, and it's going to suck because it's filled with errors. So here's the deal: stop coming to class, stop doing homework, stop taking tests, stop all of it, stop all the stuff you suck at, and instead take this revision one textbook home and find me one error that you can correct. And I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> this is so rad. I love everything about this. It feels like a game and it's challenging and it's interesting and there's no right answer. I've just gotta go like discover it on my own. And I take the book home and that first night I read it like cover to cover like everything, and the next night, cover to cover, and the next night, cover to cover, and I was just obsessed with this thing. Learning, like fooling myself into learning. I had no right. idea what I was doing, but it turns out I was learning everything there is to know about physics. But I was really attracted uh, to the chapter on acoustics, and uh, I was having the hardest time wrapping my mind around sound. I loved how sound moved and behaved and operated, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't understand, like, wait a second, what is it that, what does a waveform actually look like? And I went to him and I was like, look, there's all these illustrations of sound waves, but I need to see a picture of a sound wave. I need a photograph of a sound wave so that I can actually understand what this thing is. And he looked at me and he said, I can't show you a photograph because no one's ever taken one before. And then he just stared at me. And I was like, oh man. Is that an error? Like, can that? Can we call that a mistake that I can fix? And he's like, absolutely. And I spent the rest of the year um, with a buddy of mine uh, trying to build a box that could take a photograph of a sound wave for the first time ever. And by the end of the year, we did it. And uh, <laughs> we took we took the very first photograph of a sound wave and we gave it to him. And he eventually even published it and put our names on it and the whole bit. And uh, that's probably the only reason I got into college was because I had like straight Fs and published uh, in like nature journals, right? Uh, uh, in scientific journals, and uh, he saved me. Like literally, I probably wouldn't have gone to college at all. That's interesting, man, because, you know, I mean, it's an amazing story. Um, and I think about like, 
the you know the Elon Lees we've missed, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, for you, didn't probably, have a Fred you're Carrington. probably yeah. one out of you know hundred, like sure. per whatever your grade or your city or whatever, right? Um, you know, and one of the things I was I was going to ask about giving back, but uh, which reminded me that uh, one of your most recent tweets was a retweet of somebody's like, "Hey, the Exploding Kittens guy donated to our fund." Right? Sure, um, is that something that you actively seek out to do? Is like give back sort of to the crowd funders or the independent, you know, up and coming. I, I try quite a bit because, like, um, realistically speaking, I'm a, I'm a, if I'm a teacher in high school, I'm not going to recognize me. I'm not going to look at the kid who's failing out and think, oh yeah, that 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 guy's got potential. Like that's just not me. I don't know how to find that. Um, I'm so lucky that someone found me. That someone was able to identify that in me. Right. And so um, my way of 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 trying to um, make up for that is uh, I look for projects that have a spark to them. Just anything, anything where uh, someone's thinking of both story and delivery. Like they've got that one-two combination and they're doing it in a really interesting way. And I try to back them and I try to uh, give them the resources that they need to to move forward. And I try to make it as public as I can so that, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I've got the, these, these people who listen to me now and a, a public that follows me now. And uh, if I can push them this huge group of people in the direction of, hey guys, this needs some attention. This needs some resources. Right. This needs some some love. Uh, I'm so so thrilled to do that. And uh, yeah, it makes it makes me feel like okay, I wouldn't be able to recognize the 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 potential smart dude in in high school, but I can recognize a good idea when I see one, and I can help out those good ideas wherever I see them. What happens when a not so good idea comes across your <laughs> your you know, your desk with a with a very compelling man, argument as man, to why it's awesome? Uh, so that happens <laughs> one to two hundred times a day at this point. Um, I have some friends that I forward stuff along to, and we we kind of we try to group together and 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 look at stuff um it's hard it's hard it's just it's a volume issue right now right most ideas are terrible Uh, my own included like most ideas are terrible uh so to find the good ones takes time and effort and um you gotta you know sift through all that cold find the diamond and it's it's hard it's really it's really hard I, i have no good way of doing it other than i try to use my nights and weekends to spend some time against that so speaking of uh, your own bad ideas, right? I, I, uh, I yeah. can I can imagine what your internal whiteboard looks like. <laughs> you know, it's just um, kind of like filled with uh, craziness and Ferris wheels. It's, it's and... insane. Like, um, you know, I told you about the the Nine Inch Nails idea, right? Yeah. The secret concert and the SWAT team. The original idea for that, I remember, we're sitting uh, at Trent Reznor's dining room table and we're all talking about, okay, how do we end this thing? What do we do? And my original idea was, all right, if we want to get people, you know, they're in the concert and we want to get them out of there, let's set fire to the building. And uh, you almost did. Uh, well, <laughs> it was very controlled. You blew up a wall. Right, right. Um, but uh, at that point, my producer like starts kicking me under the table, as she does all the time, because I'm always coming up with really stupid ideas that will get us all killed. And uh, Trent actually had the greatest response ever. Is uh, he looked at me and he said, "You know." Uh, a bunch of guys on my team have criminal records, and a few of them wouldn't mind going back. So we could just do that. That would be all right. <laughs> Trent's a gangster. Yeah, it was rad. <laughs> um, no, that's cool. It's it's interesting because you know I spent a lot of my early career as a writer, and I still write to this day. Yeah. And and one of the things was, and it seems like you're skilled at is, you know, especially it, it, for me, it was comedy, but it was like 
go there uh, and we'll pull you back if we need to yeah right but if you don't go there then you're gonna come you're always gonna be stuck at the you know the first tier idea absolutely right absolutely um how do you continue to push yourself because you're like uh, you know i wonder like how you like either is it a mechanism by which you want to top yourself on the last thing you did or you just are you just naturally inclined to go there um so i think i think the 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 easiest answer to that question is right now um we're staring at the invention of something really new. Um, and that newness is the application of technology to our everyday lives. We have more ways to communicate and we have more ways to build and we have more access to manufacturing and design than we've ever had before. And uh, it's this tidal wave of options and opportunity. And it's so rad, it's so exciting. Like you can make anything that you can dream up. But the trick is uh, you have no idea what's gonna work. You have no idea what's going to work. You never have any idea what's going to work. And the the sort of the second the punchline to all this is the only way you will ever figure it out is to build it and see. And that gets me more excited than anything else. Right. Every ridiculous, stupid, half baked idea I've ever had, the way you determine if it's going to work or not, you build it and you see. And you can do it cheaply and quickly enough that you you just go. The um, in my office, uh, the largest piece of furniture in my office is a sign, this giant glowing neon sign that just says fail fast. Right. And that's my mantra is try everything. The only bad thing you can possibly do is linger on a bad idea. Get through it as quickly as possible. Try something, try something, try something, try something as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. And by building it, you'll see. Yeah, I, I, uh, I spent some time with a neuropsychologist last week, and uh, who I should I'll probably have on the show. But one of the things he was talking about was, you know, he asked like a, he was asking a series of uh, you know choice A or choice B questions. And one of them was like, how do you get to the next idea? You know, it, and the answer was get the ones that you have out. Yeah, because you're freeing so yourself true. from you know from the clutter of like, oh man, I wish I could you know like just get it out. And I yeah. was I was I didn't get a chance to ask him this, but it was like. Is it for you? Is it getting it out? Does that mean doing it, or does that mean just like working it out and f at least figuring out on paper um, if it's viable? I like building stuff. Yeah, because you can build stuff really fast, and and it's it's just a matter of not being scared. Like it, building stuff is a really daunting notion, right? Because building stuff means a level of commitment, and right. it means you got to buy supplies, and you got to like reach out to your friends, and you got to I don't know reach out to a plant somewhere that's not where you live and give them a blueprint and then they're going to print out something and mail it back to you like it's scary right you're you're actually expending resources you're using time you're you're tapping into your network however um i don't care how dumb an idea is i will always build it because i want to see it and touch it and feel it and show it to my friends and then determine yeah this sucks but you know what there's a little thing in here that we're going to yank out and put a new wrapper around and that's for me that's the creative process i know i'm gonna fail 100 percent of the time i am going to fail that's awesome embrace that failure get through it as quickly as you can because the only way you ever get to success is by knocking away every single one of those failures is that easier to say or do when you're entrepreneurial in that right like if you like for an exploding kittens right like that was your thing you know you decided like i'm gonna put my resources and energy into this 
but you know when you talk about like your experience at 42 right or fourth wall like you're you have a client yeah right and that there's there has to be a breaking point by which either a the company is going to spend money on yeah. your like blueprint yeah or the client is going to like give you money to go fail yeah <laughs> well, well okay so for big ideas like that you try to do as much of that failure work before you pitch them Right when we pitch an idea on, hey, we're going to have ten thousand ringing payphones all over the world, uh, broadcasting a story, we've already done the work saying, um, what if instead of payphones, what if it was uh, vending machines? What if we embedded speakers in vending machines and broadcast a story that way? No, that doesn't work at all. All right, what if we tried to hijack people's cell phones? Oh, it turns out that's illegal. What if we try and and we've already tried. 20 experiments, all terrible failures, Right. until we get to, hey, wait a second, there's these network devices on every single corner, and to tap into them, you just push seven buttons on any phone. Like, wait, that's not a failure. That's taking all the little good bits of the 20 previous failures and finding the golden success that's right. hidden in there. And then you go and you pitch that. And you don't pitch it. At first, you just pitch it as, hey, here's this really amazing thing. And as they start to dissect it and tear it apart and try to uh, find the holes in it, you say, yep, we've already plugged that hole. Yep, that hole's already plugged too. Look at our 20 previous failures. We've already figured this stuff yeah. out. We're ready to go write the check so that we can launch this amazing thing into existence. It's like that uh, Thomas Edison quote where he's like, I, you know, I found 10,000 ways to not make a light bulb. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like exactly. That's what in is that's yeah. what creativity is the the only failure that you can possibly come up with in creativity is not to try or to be scared to try yeah uh build it find out build it find out build it find out eventually you'll get there well thanks for not being scared to come on the show yeah of course this, this would not be an episode <laughs> i'm finding out <laughs> so look you won a creative arts emmy a clio a grand prix at the uh, can lion Webby, People's Choice Awards, probably a bunch of stuff that I have not been able to find. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, you know. My, the awards, the awards I'm going to read fun. my joke out loud because yeah, right, it's so bad. It. Yeah. Aside from filling out the submission forms really well, what do you think you're doing right with all your work? <laughs> you know what's really fun about the big shiny statues that they give you at award shows? My mom literally has no idea what I do for a living. No idea at all. Like I was at a I was at a dinner party at her house, and uh, I've told her so many times. So I I build these things and creative storytelling and, and integrate it into the real world, um, and they use technology and computers. And I, I go to her house for dinner one night, and this guy sits down next to me. He's like, "Hey, I'm I'm a neighbor of your mom's. You're you're Elon. I'm so glad to meet you. Your mom has told me all about you. I think we can work together. Your mom tells me you build computers. <laughs> so." <laughs> So what's really nice about the awards is I get to hand my mom these big shiny statues and say, "Don't worry about what I do here. Just put this up on your mantle." And so, <laughs> so that works. Nice. Yeah. Um, but you know, but as an accolade to your work, right? Like, it, it, obviously, people are paying attention and they go, "That guy's doing something well," or at least. You know, it's one thing to have one, but it's another thing to have <laughs> several. And, and at that at that apex, I mean, what do you think your? I mean, if you this kind of you may have touched on this already, but like your superpower, right? Like when when Elon walks into a room with even other creatives or bosses or whatever, like what is your superpower in that environment? Yeah. Um, okay. I feel like every time you ask me a question, I will say, all right, let me tell you a story instead. Um, I apologize. I'm going to do that again. All right. So I, I, smell... I, speak in, I speak in metaphor. So usually when people ask me a question, I'm like, <laughs> well, if you have an egg, you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's why I asked the question. Got it. Like, all right. All right. All right. No one likes interviewing me. So I, um, 
I spend a lot of time thinking about what creativity means. And I've, I've narrowed it down to, I think there's three parts of creativity. And I promise this will relate to what I think my superpower is in a second. So uh, the three parts are, step one, fill your brain with as much raw material as you can, right? Go watch all the plays. Go watch all the TV. Play every video game. Read all the books. Go eat at every restaurant. Just fill your head with all the raw material you possibly can. Don't worry about categorizing it. Don't worry about thinking back to it. Just fill, fill, fill as often as possible. Step two, identify a problem. Doesn't have to be like there's a dilemma. It could be, hey, the world is missing X. Like there's some gap. There's some discrepancy. Something is missing that you want to fix. Step three is combination and rejection. You go through all your raw material and you start thinking of each one as like two puzzle pieces. Do these two fit together? Do they solve the problem? No. Next puzzle piece. Do these? No. Next. No. Next. No. Next. And eventually you come up with a combination of two random, two or more random things that right. have never been combined before that actually solve that problem that you were trying to do. I think my superpower is I can go through those puzzle pieces way faster than most people. Yeah. That's great. That's it. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's really all there is to it. Now, one of the things I, I, I like to say is that, uh, you know, I try to ask how do these pieces fit together, right? As opposed to saying do yes or no. Yeah. I go like, how do they fit? And yeah. like normally, like if it forces you to try to find the commonality between like yep. a squirrel and a yep. hamburger. Right, right, totally. Like, uh, well, because <laughs> normally you would your first inclination is going to be no, these things don't go together. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, you know, it's really you know, squirrel burger. Yeah, um, right. Just, <laughs> squirrel. See, I told you my metaphors. They're like they're. There awful. we go. There we go. I've <laughs> I got, got a I third got item out. for my list today: <laughs> squirrel burgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually okay never mind <laughs> um so i think you know when you uh when you think about the world at large mm-hmm. you know what is out there that you are crushing on right we call the show innovation crush mm-hmm. so what do you 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 see and you think about a lot what's kind of like the thing that you go oh my or you're currently like oh my gosh that is amazing oh oh it's got to be uh room escapes yeah, room. I am absolutely obsessed with these things. And you've uh, done forty six. I've done forty six. I think I did three more this weekend, which I haven't added to the list yet. Um, so uh, for 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 those who don't, obviously know, you're good at them because otherwise, uh, I am good right. at some of them. Right. I've actually almost gotten into a fist fight with one of the designers at the end of one of them. Uh, we were arguing about the solution to a particular puzzle. Um, I was not the one initiating the fist fu- fist fight, by the way. Uh, so. Uh, the reason I love these things, sorry, for those who don't know, a room escape is basically a physicalized video game. Um, you and a group of friends, uh, could be just one other friend or a group of up to 10 people, are locked in a themed, usually themed room, uh, and you have somewhere between half an hour and one hour to find a way out of that room. And it'll be things like, okay, let's uh, figure out the combination of that safe. Oh, look, there's numbers on the ceiling. Okay, you enter it and the safe opens, and then you find a key which opens a lockbox, which has a crossword puzzle, which solves to a way to organize tiles on the floor which solves on and on these things go until eventually you figure out how to get out of the room many of them are themed so you're in a medieval dungeon and you've got an hour left to live uh we were in a space station once and there was an hour of oxygen left you know any any number of outrageous amazing thing what i love about these is you feel like you are the star of an action movie and you feel like uh the things you do are brilliant 
when it's really very scripted, right? Of right. course you're going to. There was this one, this one thing where um, we 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 had built this furniture that you know, I say furniture. We found a bunch of pieces of wood that only fit together in one particular way. Right. But we felt like we had constructed this thing out of our own brains when really it was just Legos following instructions. And then there was a laser on top of it, and we turned on the laser, and there were hidden mirrors all over the room, and the laser bounced around all over the room, <laughs> and it landed on a calendar, and it highlighted a particular number which turned out to be the solution for us to get out of the room and that was very scripted right we were just following the instructions there was only one solution to that puzzle we eventually all working together working very hard constructed the right thing turned on the laser noticed where it was looking saw the number entered the number escaped the room but Every one of us escaped that room having the same thought. I'm a genius. You know, like it was so rad. <laughs> right. um, and it, it makes you feel like you're the star of that show. And uh, when good design comes together to make you feel that unbelievable elation, that joy, that like I am better now than I was 10 minutes ago. Like, man, those are those are the experiences I want to sign yeah. up for. And yeah. uh, they're, they're spreading like crazy right now. There's so many oh, good yeah. ones in Los Angeles. It's awesome. Because they, uh, they started in like Korea or something, right? It was, yeah, and, that's right. And then that's right. slowly like but surely like, oh, what? Did yeah. You do what? And yeah. I, like every time I tell somebody about a roomscape, they're like, you do, they, they almost get goosebumps themselves. It's, they're, they're like or they, so they feel fun. claustrophobic, yep. and then but you but it's like it is any game is sort of that you know that idea of achievement, right? I feel awesome, Absolutely. or the moment you you found out that there's no pictures of sound waves, it's <laughs> like right. oh, like oh, I could like I can you know do I, this, I can do this. Um, this. Just needed me. That was the missing ingredient. What is the uh, Elon Lee definition of design? Definition of design. Um, think I think it goes back it goes back to the definition of creativity I think the definition of design is um, good design is uh, something that makes the person who is experiencing it feel like an extraordinary version of themselves if you can create that like like the room escape like any like any creative endeavor you experience the well-designed chair, you experience the well-designed video game, you experience the well-designed book, you feel like um, you're a little bit better than you were a few minutes ago. You're an extra- You're slightly more extraordinary. And uh, when design can elicit that particular emotion, man, that's when you just, you just declare victory. That is success. That's amazing. That's a great definition. Um, goodbye, Webster's. <laughs> uh, here's here's a sad thing about the, your work is that I wish there were more ARGs yeah. that were like prevalent because most time you you mention alternate reality game somebody and they're like what yeah. like no one knows yeah, right. what you know it, broadly right yeah. and then you've got the Uber fan that's willing to go on the Trent Reznor journey and right. you've got the right. person who picks up the phone out of those you know whatever million people that picked up the call like a, a certain drop off happens of whoever yeah. takes the next step. You know, why don't we see more ARGs? Um, one of, the, I think, the biggest reasons that we don't see more ARGs is just that they're poorly designed. And and I'm as guilty of this as anybody else. And by poorly designed, I mean they cater towards the super hardcore fans. And that's been the thing that I've been most guilty of um, 
uh, in my career designing alternate reality games is you build an amazing experience that has a really high barrier to entry because it has to because it involves uh, a very elaborate mechanic and the problem with something like that is uh, you're you're self eliminating right you're you're making it so that most people do not have access to it and when most people do not have access to it uh, it's not going to spread very quickly and uh, the thing that these kinds of experiences need, and I hope they come up with a better title than alternate reality game for the next iteration, uh, is uh, they need more mass accessibility. You need to be able to enter one of these things by accident. You don't have, you shouldn't have to work to get into it uh, because if you can, you know, I say good design is become an extraordinary version of yourself. That doesn't mean work really hard and possibly fail. That means, yeah. that means okay, you're a superhero. The things you're doing anyway are exactly the things that need to be rewarded. Yep. Um, don't change the behavior, reward the existing behavior. And I don't think I've ever designed an ARG or seen an ARG that really capitalized on that or really, or rather really delivered it in such a way that it can spread like wildfire. I think the, I think the uh, how I interpret that is like multiple entry points, right? You yep. have the entry yep. point that's available to the Comic Con geek or let's or whatever event like CES, right? Yeah. Or um or somebody who happens to be on Snapchat or Twitter and like, oh, what was that? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things recently was when uh, Google announced Alphabet as sort of their yeah, parent company, right? right. And that, like there, it was an announcement that was written. And it was like the third paragraph, the period after the word such and such. If you clicked on it, it took you to um, a Silicon Valley like trailer and yeah. some other content for that film. Yeah. And I like I felt like oh I'm one of five people who knows about this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. When all you did was click the link, but right, still, right. but you felt you felt like a rock star, right? You felt yeah. like a superhero because you clicked that link. It's it's so powerful. It's so great. And if you can if you can create that that experience for like as close to 100% of the audience as right. possible. Such a hard task. So, so, so hard to do. But if you can do that and everyone feels like, I'm amazing, I'm extraordinary, those are the audience members that you're going to keep. Those are the ones that are going to tune in for the next chapter and want to know what comes next. Well, it's like another example that reminds me is um, there's this uh, trailer for the Gangster Party Line. And yeah. it's, it's, have you seen this? No, no, tell it's me. It's basically like a bunch of thug dudes, and it's but it's like a hotline you can call to to talk shit with other, you know, with other folks. <laughs> and it, it is, it's so well, like the commercial is well done. And I imagine out of, let's call it, you know, the million views that it's gotten, only a few people actually call the number. Yeah. I call the number. Yeah. And funnily enough, it was a white guy like promoting a comedy show. Like it, it. it wasn't, right, there was, <laughs> and I felt like, again, that moment of achievement, like I'm the only one that like, did you know it's actually a such right. and such? <laughs> like I'm, it's co cocktail party knowledge. <laughs> but also have to back up and tell them what a gangster party line is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, so but you just tapped into sort of a secondary thing, which is if you can't get everyone to click on the link and feel like an extraordinary version of themselves, then at the very least, what you got to be able to do is broadcast and promote those who did do it, right? right. And like, if you can, if the game designer, if the experience designer can shine the spotlight on you for being one of the few who actually called the number, right, and share your experience right. out, then suddenly you've got viral spread anyway, right? Then you get to boost your numbers from 1% to like 25%, which is way better. Um, you're not up at that 100, that's the goal, of course. But uh, if you can, 
I can't make everyone a star, but at least if I can show you other people who have become stars, yeah. that's pretty powerful as well. And those people will share the acknowledgement too. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's uh, the exploding kittens. Yep. You know. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's, it's a total testament to like what you know what you guys were, were able to put together there. Thanks. Uh, last but not least. Yeah. Complete this phrase for me. Oh boy. I know. Sorry, everybody. Everybody has to do it. Innovation to me is. You've already given us so many gems. I know, I know. I've get, you know, you had me define creativity, and then you had I, me you define, define creativity design, on your own. and now <laughs> and now innovation. Man, these are like synonyms. You realize uh, they work hand in hand. All right, that? all right, all right, all right. Innovation to me is. Uh, Oh, I'm going to cop out and just mix together the other things, but I think it's worth mixing. Innovation to me is taking two or more things, combining them together in a way that no one's ever seen before that yields the result of an extraordinary experience. That is good. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't so bad, was it? Um, so uh, any final words? I don't know. I, I, I... Uh, final words? Um I just I love I love to stress the notion of like uh, I, I get asked the question all the time like where does creativity come from where do your ideas come from my butt yeah <laughs> yes like, <laughs> yes and it comes from from everybody's butt and the and the thing you have to not be scared of is to try the damn things um, just because an idea is bad doesn't mean don't try it yeah. in fact it probably means try it and fail at it as quickly as you can so that you can get on to the next idea and form this collection of little tiny gems little tiny successes hidden in those failures when you get enough of those successes you'll get an actual huge success so try it stop stop being scared don't be scared of failure failure is awesome go fail a lot just do it as fast as you possibly can that's great I appreciate that. My pleasure. Uh, and the audience appreciates it too. Thank you for coming by. How can people find you on the interwebs uh, and on the technologies? Easiest way, I, I tweet all the time. They just answer a, a ringing payphone? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's probably a long If lead. you find, if, uh, yeah, if you, you know, find by, a by the way, if, if you can still find a payphone and a payphone is ringing, answer that 100% of the time. Like, you know what happened uh, to Colin Farrell though? And then he was in that one movie? He, did, 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 did a terrible thing happen when he answered the payphone? Yes, there was a did sniper it, with a gun pointed at him. Did it ultimately lead to something extraordinary? It did. Thank you. Yes. Answer the damn payphone. Changed his life. Yeah. <laughs> and his underpants. <laughs> uh, Twitter is the easiest way to find me. Just Elon Lee. E-L-A-N-L-E-E. -E -E well, at and those at, letters. Yep. You know, Got it. I said that backwards. <laughs> well, thank you for coming by, man. This is great. It's a pleasure. Um, Thanks for having me. This is fun. Everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time.